0: Lord, we, we welcome here, here t- today, God. Lord, we are open to you, and we come with a humble heart, Lord, bowing down to you, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. God, we thank you for this opportunity this morning to study your word. And we ask by your grace that you would speak to us and change how we choose to live. So God, help us to trust in you, grow our faith, And Lord, we ask that you anoint this time with your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I read about this policewoman who found a little boy riding his tricycle madly around the block over and over again. Finally, the officer stopped the boy and asked what he was doing. And and the boy said that he was running away from home. The officer asked, Why then do you keep going around and around on the sidewalk here? Well, the boy answered, Because my mom said it's too dangerous out there, so I'm not allowed to cross the street. Funny, even in this, the boy trusted and respected what his mother said, and it showed. It showed through his obedience here. Well, as Christians, we should learn to respect and obey the Word just for the fact that it came from God himself. Eric Alexander once wrote, the evidence of knowing God is obeying God. And I like that. Well, as we return to our study in the book of Hebrews, we find another example of faith, and that's in the life of Noah. We find, you know what, that he truly believed and knew God. He really did. And in his, for his faith, is now seen in Noah's trusting obedience. And that's the title of our message this morning. Noah's trusting obedience. We're going to be studying Hebrews chapter 11, and just one verse this morning, verse 7. Hebrews 11, verse 7. And so Noah's trusting obedience is found in these three things, and this is our outline. Number one, his motivation is found in his execution, and is found in his recognition. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, we're going to begin here. Number one, his faith is seen and his trusting obedience is found in his motivation. Number one, his motivation. Now take a look with me here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, and we're only going to take this first part where it says, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. And we'll stop right there. Well, we begin with these words, by faith, Noah. Now, these three words, it connects us and it continues what we have been studying. We have been learning what faith is. You remember at the first part of this chapter, we learned that faith is the unshakable confidence and conviction of the absolute certainty of God, His Word, and His work. This was the kind of faith that we're going to see in these Old Testament s- uh, saints in this chapter. And this is the kind of faith that Noah had. This is what is defined, this unshakable confidence and conviction. It's defined in verse 1. Take a look there. Look up at Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And, and that is the unshakable confidence. And then faith is the evidence of things not seen that's that unshakable conviction even when you can't see things or the evidence of it so Noah's faith is seen here now when he was being verse 7 divinely warned what was going on well God told him about this coming flood that would cover the whole earth and this was going to be and the next thing we see here in verse 7 of things not seen now, the NLT translates this, things that had never happened before. So God warned Noah of this rain to come, and it's going to turn into this worldwide flood. So the sense is this, understand this, that Noah believed God that a great flood was coming, even though it had never even rained before. Think about that. We find before the flood in Genesis 2, 6, it says that a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. So it's believed that up until the time of the flood, there was some sort of like vapor canopy uh, over, you know, in the atmosphere. That's Genesis 1-7. And perhaps creating sort of this greenhouse sort of thing around the earth. And it gave it, the earth a nice even climate. And then the plants, the trees, all the vegetation was watered by this mist that God provided that came not from the sky but from the ground. So some believe that when the flood Came. It was caused really by releasing all this moisture that was just hanging there in the atmosphere. And it rained, right, for five and a half weeks, 40 days. And then they also believe that the flood rose up even from not just the water, but from underneath the reservoirs of water uh, came up and out. And so it rained for like 40 days and it flooded for another 110 days, 150 days in total here. So this is all to say, when God told Noah it was going to rain, think about this, never rained. So Noah probably said, uh, Lord, what's rain? You know, what, what, what is that? He had never seen or experienced that, let alone a flood in all of his life. So no wonder we see Noah mentioned here, and he sits in this list in this chapter of the heroes, heroes of faith. For certainly he believed in that unshakable conviction of the evidence of things not seen okay so it says by faith now Noah was divinely warned right of the coming rain the worldwide flood the destruction that was coming so being told about these events look what it says next Noah was moved with godly fear. In other words, no one was motivated to believe what was told him by godly fear. Now, godly fear means to have a great reverence. Uh, Wiest writes, it says, uh, it means to stand in awe. It refers to this deep devotion to honor and respect God in what he said. Noah treated basically the message from God with great respect and awe. It speaks of not this fearful dread but a holy regard to what he was telling him here. So the idea here is this. Noah was willing to believe and to do whatever God told him because of the fact that God said it. This is what moved Noah. This is what drove Noah to do all that he did. This, this is what was in him to fear God, to respect, to honor, to reverence God and believe what he said. This is His motivation. That's our heading for this section here. His motivation. Now, remember up in verse 3, the writer tells the Jewish readers how that they already have this kind of faith that he's talking about in verse 1. How, you know, they know in their heart with confidence and conviction that God is the creator of all things. So the writer goes on and continues on in this chapter to give us examples of Old Testament saints who believed and had faith in that same way. And so see if you can follow me here. There's a flow here going on. So we learn in verse 3, the Jews already honored the Lord God as the creator of all things, that they have this faith. And then in verse 4, we saw last time, Abel's example of faith is seen in how he gives God honor and respect in worship. And then in verse 5, we learned last time, Enoch's faith is how he honored and respected God in how he walked with him, right? How he respected, how he centered his life upon God and his relationship. And last week, our title was actually giving God honor and respect. So it's flowing down here from how the Jews have this faith. They honor God and they believe in that he is the creator, the Lord. And then Abel did it in his worship. Enoch did it in his walk. And then so all that flows into verse 7 in how Noah honored and reverenced God by believing his warning. God said it's going to rain, so Noah believed, whatever that is, rain is coming, right? God said it's going to flood, so Noah believed a flood, a worldwide flood would happen. God said it, so Noah believed it, trusting in what God said. So what the writer is saying here, and this is our point, since God said it, Noah reverently, reverently took the warning to heart, sight unseen. Since God said it, Noah reverently took the warning to heart now, sight unseen. You know, I remember um, about, it was about three years or so ago, uh, seeing on the TV news, I don't know if you remember this, a long line, it was like over a hundred people Waiting to put a $1,000 deposit on the Tesla Model S. That was a new model coming out, the electric car, right? They already had these um, other uh, uh, models, you know, that were like way up there, $70,000 or however much. But this was the first one that was going to be around 30 grand, and so people lined up to get the car. The car was not even in production. Um, people actually waited about almost two years to get the car, actually. Yet people were willing to buy this car without even knowing exactly when they'll get it, without even sitting in it, without even taking a test drive in it. Now, in that opening month, they counted over 350,000 people who put money down and ordered this car sight unseen. I was I was reading this little blog around that time, and one buyer said, it's going to be great to see what kind of car I purchase. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know this is going to be historic. Isn't that funny? Sight and scene, he's buying this car. Another buyer said, everything Tesla, uh, uh, everything Tesla is top of the line and environmental friendly. So they were like, well, well we know the company, so we're going to do that. Someone who wrote in this blog back then, uh, way back in those years, he wrote, it was Elon Musk's biography that drove me nuts enough to order a car from a company that I'd never seen a product of. And then he adds, I bought some stock too. So even off this reputation, off the reputation of the guy, the company, it's crazy how they did this sight unseen But you can see what they were relying upon, that name, Tesla, right? The company there. By the way, just a side note, you can now, do you know this? You can now order a Tesla Model S online. You can actually do that. Site and scene, have it delivered, and it says they will deliver the car to Hawaii in two weeks. I know, because I looked it up, and I kind of went through the process. I didn't buy the car, but I thought, I'm just kind of curious, you know, about all this. Well, think about how these people put money down sight unseen. Well, that's in a similar way what Noah did. Since God said it, Noah reverently took his word to heart and believed on it sight unseen. He took it to his heart sight unseen. Let me ask you this. Now, I was asking myself these same questions. Do you believe that God is the creator of everything we see? Do you believe that Jesus is Lord of all, then you know what, you will, then will you believe and take to heart what God tells you, even if it's sight unseen. What a challenge that is, right? What a challenge to our trusting the Lord and our faith in God. Let me ask you this, what trials and situations are you facing right now? Do you believe God's word that he he will always be there for you, right? He'll never leave you or forsake you. Do you believe God's word that nothing can separate you from his love? The end of Romans 8, right? Do you believe God's promise to provide for every need? Not one, not a Tesla S. No, maybe for some, it's a need, but you know what I'm saying. Do you believe that, that he will provide? Do you believe that when he calls you to do something that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you? Do you believe that? Do you believe God will keep his word? Do you? If God is the Lord God of all things, shouldn't we respect and reverence what he says? If he's giving us like direction or warning, shouldn't we reverently, trustingly honor and believe it with our whole heart? heart sight unseen we should shouldn't we that's what noah was doing and this is what noah's faith is and this is what should be inspiring us this morning we should respect everything that god tells us now um, i was reading about pastor greg laurie and once he told of his first experience with um, billy graham he wrote this i remember the first time i met billy graham I said, Dr. Graham, and he said, don't call me Dr. Graham, call me Billy. And uh, Greg Laurie writes, I had the hardest time calling him Billy. That is like a name you give to a young child. This is Dr. Graham. He is a man of importance, a godly man, a man of integrity, a man that stands apart in history. It was hard for me, Greg Laurie says, to refer to him that way because there was a respect for him and who he is was. So that's, that's the idea here. Noah respected the Lord. And that goes with this point that we would give proper reverence to God, to who he is, our creator, the Lord God, and listen and believe what he was saying for the only reason, if it is this reason, that he is God. And that should be our motivation also. That's how Noah had this trusting obedience. All right, let's move on here to number two, his execution, his execution. We see Noah's trusting obedience is found in his motivation. And now let's go on to his execution, his execution. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. So it says here, By faith, being divinely warned of things, not seen, move with godly fear. And then this next part. Verse 7 in this next part says, Prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Now, the writer here tells us how Noah's faith turned into action. This is his execution, our heading here. In response, he took action to the warning from God. Noah basically went straight to work and prepared. The word prepared means to build, to make ready, to equip. He prepared, he built what? The ark, right? And we know that. It's a vessel which we know used to carry all the animals, rescue them from perishing in the flood. And the ark was also for, it says here, the saving of his household. And that was his wife, his sons, and their wives. So there was eight souls who were saved, First Peter 3.20. So the idea is Noah built this ark to save his family and the animals from the flood, which Building this goes against any human reason at the time. But building of the ark provided or proved what his faith was, what the faith he had. It proved his faith in what God said. This was his execution of faith. This is faith turned into action. Now, can you imagine Noah telling his wife, God spoke to me today. And showed me it's going to rain, and a flood is coming. It's going to cover the whole earth, and he wants me to build an ark to save save the family and all the animals. Can you imagine the response from the wife? The wife probably asked, "Um, "I have some questions here. What's rain? She didn't know either, right? Uh, What's a flood? And tell me this: What's an ark? You know, what what is that? I mean, they they live like hundred miles inland from even any." you know, close uh, med- the Mediterranean Sea. Well, Mo- Moses, after explaining all that, she might have said, Moses, do you really believe that God will do all this? What, he'll do what he's saying? And Noah maybe might have said, Yes, you want to see how much I believe? I'm going to get started right now and build the ark. That's Noah. That's his faith. He stepped out in obedient faith. Now, the instructions to build were this ark was actually given by God. And, and we studied this when we were in Genesis chapter 6. So Noah went out to build this ark. So now think about this now. He's going out. He's believing God to build this ark. But this project isn't like any other project he probably ever did. This project is probably unlike any other project any of us have ever done. Now we find in Genesis 6 that this um, art that Noah built. It was 450 feet long. That's about a football field and a half. It was 75 feet wide and 45 feet tall. That's like a four-story building. So it, it was like this large barge or container ship. It had three decks, which all the surface area of the decks totaled about 96,000 square feet, and it had a capacity to hold in volume million cubic feet. So this was a massive project. And on top of this, it took 120 years to build now. That's how huge it was. And I was thinking about this. Not only did Noah build it, but think about this. There was no like Home Depot he could run to, yeah, and get, you know, his supplies and materials and all that. He had to cut down his own trees. He had to make his own lumber all from, from scratch, right? Against, so think about it. Against all human reasoning and logic, Moa, Noah built this ark, something he's never done before, in preparation for something he's never seen before, rain, to be delivered from something he's never experienced before, the flood. But Noah faithfully worked on this project For 120 years. That's faith, you guys. Maybe his wife might have asked, how long is that project going to sit out there in our yard? You know, right? Many of you husbands got that same thing. When are you going to finish it? 120 years, you guys. So by faith, Noah built the ark. He had nothing to go on but God's word, which to him was all he needed. Noah trusted God's word and simply obeyed what he said. And this is why I titled this passage here, Noah's Trusting Obedience. I like something uh, what John MacArthur wrote about. Uh, He kind of commented on the moment Noah started to build this ark. MacArthur said, one of the greatest practical acts of faith in all history was Noah cutting down the first gopher tree for wood to make the ark. What a, what a moment that must have been he's chopping down that tree, right? And that, that's going to be the start of 120 years of cutting down trees and building. Well, this brings us to this point. The proof of trusting God at his word is when Noah obediently took on this massive project to build the ark to its finish. That's what the writer is telling us here. The proof of trusting God at His word is when Noah obediently took on this massive project to build the ark to its finish. I I read about one dad who said to his friend, Father's Day is that one time of year when I get complete obedience from every member of my family. Oh, what do you mean? asked the friend. Well, said the father, I tell them not to spend a lot of money on me, and they don't. I always thought that was kind of funny there. But what we see with Noah is that he did not obey because it kind of worked out in his life, or or, or, or it was convenient for him, or, well, you know, I get some time, so okay, I'll do this for you, Lord. No, think think about how building this massive arc, a hundred twenty-year project. How long this was, how time-consuming, how much effort it took. I'm sure there was moments, you know, when, when maybe he got weary or he had set, setbacks. You know, pieces didn't fit right, sections weren't coming together. You know, like, like it should. You know, like the rail that one time on Oahu, they didn't they built and it was like off a little bit, and they had to readjust it. But think about all that went on. For 120 years, he kept going. He kept uh, building. He kept the faith, even though there was no rain in sight, even though there was no indication of a flood, not just, not one drop. But he believed and he saw with eyes of faith the coming day. And his faith was seen in this action, in this execution of building the ark. The proof of trusting God at his word, was when Noah obediently took on this massive project to build the ark to its finish. You know, I was thinking of how many times that I give up when things don't happen right away, right? We're, aren't we this like microwave generation? We want things instantly. We, we, we order something on Amazon. No, I'm not going to wait, you know, for a month. I'm going to do the fast shipping. I'm going to do the two-day shipping. I don't care if it costs, you know, twice as much as the product I'm buying, but I want it now, Right? You know, we're, we're this instant generation and world today and, and, and that gets into us. Even when we serve God or God is asking us to do something or He's directing us, we want things to happen right now. I understand. I get impatient. I give up hope sometimes if it drags out. I give into my frustrations. I get upset when ex- my expectations are not met. I was thinking on how short on endurance... With the things sometimes God gives me, I am. I'm so short on that endurance. How about you? I want to be like Noah who seemed to not falter. And and he showed his faith by not wavering in his obedience. He kept to building the ark. And there in his execution, we see what his faith is about. Billy Graham once said, Faith has one distinguishing quality. Saving faith produces obedience. It is a faith that brings about a way of life. And that's what we see in Noah. I guess you can put it this way genuine faith, the kind of faith Noah showed, manifests fruit, right? True faith is always accompanied by actions that go along with it. And you know what this fruit is? It's obedience. That's what we see with Noah. It's obedience. It isn't like, well, Lord, you know, give me a little sign. You know, give, you know show me a little rain. And then I'll say, okay, that's going to happen. You know, he didn't make any deals. He didn't, we don't read anything in Genesis 6 or 7 or 8, anything that he was like trying to, well, God, if you, you know, I'll put this fleece out to you. No, he, this is faith here. Whatever God said, he did, he obeyed, he trusted him. And so his faith was accompanied by action and that action was obedience. Is that what's evident in your faith? Is there action to go along with the faith you say you have? We're challenged by that, you guys, today. We're challenged greatly. Do we have that kind of faith? I like what it says about Noah. In Genesis 6.22, it says this, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. That means, and the NLT puts it Noah did everything exactly in what God asked him to do. And I love that. That's what you call a trusting obedience. All right. So we see Noah's trusting obedience is found in number one, his motivation. Number two, his execution. And now we go to number three, his recognition. His recognition. Take a look here now. Hebrews chapter 11, it says, So by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, Prepared an ark for the saving of his household. And now in our last section here, Hebrews eleven seven, 7, the end says, by which he condemned the world. We'll stop right there. Okay, the writer gives us this insight. Noah's faith, seen through his actions, had condemned the world. What does that mean? Well, Noah's... Uh, building the ark actually exposed the unbelief of the people at the time. In other words, words, they did not believe that rain was going to come. They didn't believe a worldwide flood was coming. So that unbelief and that lack of taking action in preparation condemned them to be judged and perish in the flood. Now, um, there's a couple ideas here in what we're seeing. And the first idea I want to give you is that Noah's obedience in building the ark was a message of the coming judgment. That's really what it was. The, the, him just building the ark, the ark sitting there, was a message of the coming judgment. And the people's rejection of it condemned them to die in the flood. See, the times that Noah grew up and when the times he lived in they're one of the most evil and corrupt times in history. Listen to a Genesis 6 verse 5 says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So that's the reason why judgment had to come. That's why God brought down the rain in a worldwide flood. It was judgment upon the world for their sins against the Lord. Now, he didn't just bring the rain, though. God did try and warn the world by his grace and mercy. You see, the building of the ark itself was a visible message that judgment was coming. I mean, think about this. As I told you, it took 120 years, right, for the ark to be finished. So that was 120 years of grace upon the people. I mean... The Lord could have just brought the flood right away. The Lord could have brought judgment in, in another way even. But God had this plan to give the world a chance to turn and repent to him. So there was 120 years of grace for the people uh, around Noah and to repent and believe like Noah did. And then there's a second idea that we see here. Not only was Noah's obedience in building the ark was a message of the coming judgment, but you know what? Noah also obediently preached to the people while he obediently built the ark. In Second uh, Peter two five, uh, it says Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So. The idea is you see here, we see by God's love and mercy, he had Noah openly build this giant boat as a sign. Everyone could see it. it was massive, right? Uh, about this, a sign of the coming flood and judgment. But at the same time, Noah preached a message that they could be saved. So for 120 years, God gave the world a chance to repent and turn to God to believe. You know, back when we studied the book of Genesis a few years back, we had learned that there, you know, all the animals were brought to the ark, and there were, there was approximately uh, commentators guess seventy two thousand creatures on the ark. Which, if you like, look at the ark and these guys, these scholars thought about it. If you put all the animals on the ark, it only filled up about sixty percent of capacity of the 1.4 million cubic feet that was in the ark and there was eight too you know of that was saved Noah's family and also counting all the supplies and everything so it didn't fill up the whole ark why did God have Noah build such a massive ark and not fill it up why is there extra room you know why for more people that's why but no one joined Noah and his family. No one believed and put faith in what God said that a coming, a flood was coming. Noah built in faith. Noah preached in faith. And you know what? It would seem Noah even endured in faith too. I mean, could you imagine the ridicule, the mocking going on, right? Right? Rain, what is that, Noah? You're crazy, right? A flood, we have never ever seen a flood before. So how can that happen? That's just, just impossible, Noah. You're, just, this is just crazy talk coming out of you. So Noah probably for, out for those 120 years became famous for being that crazy old man over there building that thing. Understand, he was 500 years old when he started building this ark too. And Everyone lived really long back then. So sadly, this was his recognition by the world. Just this crazy old man. Barton in his commentary said, Noah's obedience made him appear strange to his neighbors. As you obey God, the commentator says, don't be surprised if others regard you as different. And then I like this. Barton said, your obedience makes their disobedience stand out. And that's exactly what was going on. Which brings us to the writer's first point in this section. I'm going to have two. But the first point is this. Noah's obedience exposed the world's disobedience, which justly condemned their sin. Noah's obedience exposed the world's disobedience, which justly condemned their sin sin. I was thinking about this, how uh, my wife and I, we like to watch some HGTV shows when when we're relaxing. And, you know, that's all the home uh, restoration and remodeling and decorating shows. I mean, someday someday we want to remodel, redesign our own house. And uh, one of the, I've kind of learned the design tips and elements we found is to like Paint your walls a lighter color, like white or some of this lighter gray. Some of these modern colors today that people like, that they're into. Or even have furniture along with it, you know, that are a little lighter. or some, some, some of these shows, their kitchen is white and all, and everything cabinets and countertops is white. But, but the idea is that's like the background. And then when you bring in like colored pillows or decorations, they become these accents of other colors that you're bringing into your color wheel, so to speak, and it pops out greatly against the white that you have, save with your base color. Now, I was thinking about that, how in Noah's time, the world was dark and black in their sin and wickedness that they were doing. How it was a black world in Noah's time. But Noah was set against in his bright white obedient so you know what he popped out like like no one else over there and think about that black never seems so black when you put white next to it and you know what the world doesn't like that the world doesn't like that oh you you're calling them what what you don't like what 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 i'm doing the world doesn't like that so you you and i we pop out when we hold to the principles of the bible when we do obediently of God, what God's Word is telling us to do. You know, the question today is, do you pop out like Noah did? I mean, as we are here today, we're, we're in a sense building the, the, the church, the body of Christ, sharing the message of salvation against the judgment to come in the end times. And so we should be popping out with the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth that Jesus is going to return soon. And you know what? Like the ark before Jesus comes when judgment and the seven years of tribulation, Jesus is going to take the church, like the church home, like the ark home, sort of like being saved in an ark, and we will, we will be spared from the judgment that will happen during the tribulation years. So we are preaching The gospel that will save people. And are we doing that? You know, the day and age we live today, it's not unlike the time of Noah. Because you know what? Jesus actually prophesied this. And uh, turn to here, turn to Matthew chapter 24 and just take a quick look at this. Turn to the left over to Matthew, the first gospel in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 24 here this whole chapter he talks on the end time events and signs and then in verse 37 Matthew 24:37 through 39, it says this, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 38, For as as in the days before the flood they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. So just like the unbelieving world back in Noah's time rejected the message and the truth. So Jesus saying, so it's gonna be like 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 it is in the in the end days in the last times that people are just gonna go on rejecting God. They're gonna be into their sin. They're gonna be like going on in life, like like nothing else is gonna happen, just like in Noah's time. But we know the truth. Jesus is returning. So we need to be like Noah and we need to be giving out Jesus the gospel all right so the unbelieving world did not give Noah any good recognition but we know you know what that God did and so in our last part of verse 7 it says and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith so in this last part we're going to see this morning the writer tells us that in the end it was according to faith or by faith that Noah now became an heir of righteousness. Now that means he obtained this right standing with God. See, his faith not only brought out a trusting obedience, but this faith also brought out a righteous a righteousness from God or a righteous status from God. But why is that important? Because this recognition, his recognition from God this time of being righteous by God. It shows that by faith, Noah was saved by, from the judgment of the flood. And that adds his family, of course, too. You know, I, I believe the writer is referencing uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. And here it says that Noah was a just man. Man. That means righteous. This speaks of how by faith is, as I said, recognized as righteous by God. And then I like how it goes on. Noah was perfect in in his generation. It means Noah was not perfect, but that he lived a blameless or a mostly generally godly life. You know, he was the most godly person in all the world at that time. So it speaks by faith. He did all he could to be obedient to God's word. And then Genesis 6-9 says, Noah walked with God. And we know that phrase from last week. Like his great-great-grandpa Enoch, Noah centered his life around God, which speaks of by faith he put a priority in his relationship with God. So all of this came by faith. And by that faith, really, it was the result of of not just trusting obedience, not just he pursued his relationship with God, but by faith he was recognized righteous by God. So you can see how Noah's faith shined bright in this dark world. So we saw in this first point, Noah's obedience exposed the world's disobedience, which justly condemned their sin. But now we see this, and this is the second point here. Noah's obedience Exposed the faith that saved him from the flood. Noah's obedience exposed the faith by faith that saved him from the flood. That's what the writer is saying. That's his point. You know, I think about how, what Paul wrote, and this really looks toward and looks to what paul wrote and what jesus has done in romans 117 it says for in it talking about the gospel of jesus christ the righteousness of god is revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith so what saved no points to what saves us today our faith in christ jesus see as you truly put your faith in jesus you're forgiven And made righteous. Not by anything that you do. That wasn't Noah. He wasn't saved from the flood because of building the ark. No. It was the evidence of his faith. And that same faith is what saved him from the flood. No. It's not by anything we do. But it's by Christ's work on the cross. So as we believe in that work of what he did. We are made righteous. And that's the kind of faith that saved Noah from the flood. And that's the faith that saves us in Jesus Christ. I was reading this. uh, uh, I came across this story. A little girl sat in Grandpa's lap, listening to him read the story of Noah and the ark from the children's Bible. She interrupted him and said, Grandpa, were you on that ark from long ago? He chuckled and replied, Well, no, I wasn't on the ark. After a little pause, the little girl looked up at him Him and curiously asked, If you weren't on the ark, then can you tell me how you didn't drown then? Well, Noah didn't drown in judgment because of his faith. So it is with believers, we won't be punished in the tribulation judgment because of our faith. J.C. Ryle said, Never is a man in his sight, I'm sorry, Never is a man in his right mind till he is converted or in his Or in his right place till he sits by faith at the feet of Jesus. So Noah found that right place by faith. And we can be in that right place by faith also. So as we come to a close here, we see how by faith Noah reverently with all trusted what God said. And so he obeyed God and he built the ark. And, and I believe in this faith that he had, even though he was mocked and even though he ran into opposition and maybe some other things happened that were, you know, not too good for him, but he must have been blessed. He must have been filled with joy with the Lord. He must have felt his presence every day because, you know, when you obey the Lord, when you're doing his will, God is going to be with you. And with God with you, we have that joy. We have that peace. Not from the circumstances around us, but from God himself being with us. And this is exactly what I believe this old hymn talks about. This hymn is called Trust and Obey. And I'll close with this. The the first stanza goes like this. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his goodwill, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. In the chorus, the refrain is trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. The other uh, stanzas read this. I I I want to share this with you because it's speaking to my own heart. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but a smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear, not a sigh or a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil he doth richly repay. Not a grief or a loss, not a frown or a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. couple more here. But we can never prove the delights of His love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor He shows, for the joy He bestows, are for them who trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet we will sit at His feet, or we'll walk by His side in the way. When He says we will do, or what He says we will do, where He stands we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey." And then, of the course, once again, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Let's say, let, let me say, it, read it again. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That's it, you guys. That's it. That's what it is to have faith. That's the faith of Noah. That's our faith to be seen, and it was seen in Noah's trusting obedience. Let's pray. God, we see in Noah a faith that, Lord, we would like to have, a faith so strong that we that we will take you at your word, a faith that stands in awe of who you are, a faith that drives our obedience, Lord, a faith, God, that will hold on even in the hard times and will Trust that whatever you do, you will accomplish and finish in our lives. God, I pray for each one of us this morning. Let us see you more clearly, Lord, in in all your awesome and wonderful attributes, Lord, in who you are. You are the Lord God. You are sovereign. You are the creator, God. You are in control. You are the Lord who is holy and righteous, all-powerful, who has all wisdom, Lord. You are the God that is everywhere at once, Lord. You are the God, Lord, that can do anything and everything. And you are the God that will do the best for us because you have a will in our lives. And Lord, we thank you in your awesome, uh, high, lifted up uh, position that you hold. At the same time, Lord, in your attributes is love. You love us so much and you give us mercy, God, and you care for us and you protect us. So, Lord, open our eyes, Lord, to who you are, to your love, and what you can do. And, God, with all of this, may we find the motivation, God, to execute, Lord, what you want us to do. And may you recognize in us, Lord, and may we recognize the faith that you want us to have. And, Lord, we thank you that it all is able, God. All of this can be because, Jesus, you died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the dead. And as we move into this time of remembering what you've done on the cross, of communion and partaking the elements, Lord, may we be grateful and may we find forgiveness and renewing in your spirit in this time. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.